some lungs. Um, open your Bibles and we'll have it on the screen. Daniel 7, uh, 23. Um, I need 10 extra minutes today. Okay. Telling you now. <laughs> I actually need an extra week, so that we'll do this in two parts, but today I need extra. So uh, it says that the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth. You, you, oh, this is the, I, you came on the wrong Sunday. You know? <laughs> the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, different than all the other kingdoms. It will devour the whole earth, trample it down, and crush it. Verse 26, but the court will convene. And his dominion, the the fourth beast, his dominion will be taken away to be completely destroyed um, forever. This is God's word. Hey, and just real real quick, uh, uh, John, Michelle, and David, can you guys you guys need to talk about something in the lobby real quick? You guys can just go do that. Take care of that. Um, Okay, so we're back into the book of Daniel after uh, a three-month break. So for time purposes, I put a short review of chapters 1 through 6 online because we got to cover, got to move fast if we're going to get through Daniel 7 in two weeks. So um, generally, Daniel 7 is where a lot of um, believers and even Bible teachers stop with Daniel and and move to another book because chapters 1 through 6 is the fun flannel graph stories from Mary and Judy's class. Classroom, okay, you can do chapters one through six on the putting, you know, boys in the lion's den and, and uh, in the fiery flames and, and all the stuff. And then chapter seven through twelve is this um, swirl of apocalyptic visions and, and, and dreams. And there's lions and bears and leopards and, and rams and shaggy goats and indescribable beasts and kings of the north and kings of the south and uh, demonic prince of Persia and, and, and all sorts of stuff. And then uh, there's these two arrogant, uh, Yahweh-defying, Israel-oppressing, tribulation-bringing a uh, little horns. And if you want to have some fun as we're going through Daniel for the next couple weeks, you should get onto any um, uh, any of the AI art or AI-generated art and just type in some of these passages, and you get the coolest. So I typed in like the four beasts this week, and it generate you know it makes its own art thing. Um, I don't know how science and it's uh, there's just, anyway, there's all sorts of stuff. And then on top of all the, the stuff, um, there's the difficult task of, of uh, Daniel's written in two languages. Part of it's Hebrew, part of it is Aramaic. And then there's past events and future events and all sorts of other difficult details. And it can get overwhelming. OK, so even for Daniel. So Daniel seven um, fifteen, he says, as for me, Daniel, has just seen all of this stuff. He says, my spirit was deeply distressed within me and the visions in my mind terrified me and my face turned pale. Okay, like that's what Daniel and he's, you know, he's experiencing it. So that said, we're going to push through Daniel one because we have the Holy Spirit. Right. And the Holy Spirit can give us understanding and we have angels. So there's a crazy vision and then an angel will come and tell you, hey. Here's what that was. And then second, why we have to go through Daniel 7 through 12 is because Daniel 7 through 12 gives us the gospel. Okay, Daniel 7 is the mountain peak, not just of Daniel, but of the whole Bible, uh, the whole Bible story. Daniel 7 quite literally preaches the gospel of the kingdom. Okay, like this is one of the places it comes from when this age with its temporary wicked rulers are finally crushed and thrown into the fire and God's eternal kingdom that... Daniel 2.44 will never be destroyed, is set up to endure forever. That's the gospel of the kingdom. There's a club. A club of babies. Yeah. 
Um, so that's Daniel 7. And then on top of, of the gospel of the kingdom of God covering the earth, filling the earth, Daniel 12 gives us one of the clearest uh, resurrection passages um, in the whole scriptures. So Daniel 12, 1 and 2, he says, There will be a time of distress that has never such occurred since nations came into being until that time. But at that time, all the people who are found written in your book will escape. And many who sleep in the dust who are dead okay, will awake. Some to eternal life and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. So Daniel 7 through 12, we get the gospel of the kingdom of God covering the earth. And we get the gospel of the resurrection of the dead. Okay? So that in mind, we're going to do Daniel 7. Thanks, bro. We're going to do Daniel 7 in two parts. Okay, today we're just looking at all the bad guys. And then next week we'll look at the good guys. Okay? Big bad beast and then cloud riding beast slayer next week. So Daniel 7 verse 1. In the, the first year of King Belshazzar, who's Nebuchadnezzar's successor of Babylon. Daniel, who's about 70 years old now. He had a dream with visions in his mind as he was lying in his bed. And he said, in my vision at night as I was watching, suddenly the four winds of heaven stirred up the great sea. And four huge or, or great beasts came up from the sea. Each different from the other. So Daniel's dream starts out as a nightmare. Total nightmare. Okay, so Babylonian um, literature, the sea is is chaos and strange monsters. Like all kinds of, of, um, we talked about some of the weird stuff at FCA this week. And then in Jewish literature, before and after Daniel, the sea uh, represents wicked Gentile nations that that, uh, oppress and trample Israel. So Isaiah uh, 17, he says, ah, the roar of many peoples, they roar like the roaring of the seas, the raging of the nations, they rage like the rumble of rushing water, the nations rage like the rumble of a huge torrent of nations, uh, seas, Isaiah 57, 20, the wicked are like the storm tossed sea for it cannot be still and it's water churns up mire and muck. So when you read sea and prophetic or apocalyptic literature, think wicked Gentile nations that oppress and trample Israel, okay? And then at the end of, of the story, Revelation 21, what does John see? A new heaven, a new earth, the first ones had passed away and the sea was no more, okay? Doesn't mean there's not an ocean in the age to come. God forbid. Okay? If I'm in the resurrection, I'm in the, the age to come, and there's not a beach, Jesus and I have problems. You know what I mean? Like, it means that when Jesus returns with angels and fire and restores all things and makes all things new, the enemies of God's people have been defeated, and the sea is no more. And you can still get a tan. You know what I mean? Like, no. No bad guys, just um, the beach. I will be on the beach in the age to come. Okay. So not only does Daniel see the see the sea, nah, see the sea, um, but he, out of the sea comes four monsters. And I have a, a picture of here of, of Daniel on his bed with four monsters. But if you'll type this into Chat GPT or whatever, you'll get way cooler. Um, pictures than this. So this is total nightmare stuff, okay? Uh, a raging sea and, and monsters and, and all the stuff, but such is the burden of the prophet, right? Like, you want to be a prophet, this is what you... This is your life. Okay, so these four beasts then correspond with the the, uh, the four-tiered statue, or five-tiered statue, four-kingdom statue in um, chapter 2, right? So Nebuchadnezzar has a vision in chapter 2. 
Daniel has a vision in chapter 7, and they're the same, they're the same vision. So Daniel um, 7, verse 4, the first beast that I saw was like a lion, but it had eagle's wings. And I continued watching until its wings were torn off. It was lifted up from the ground and set on its feet like a man and given a human mind. So this is the, the, um, the head of gold from the statue, which is Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. Okay, The prophets before Daniel, they described Nebuchadnezzar uh, in Isaiah as a lion, as um, an eagle. And Daniel tells him in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. So chapter 7 would be, you are the lion. Second beast that he sees is the arms of silver from the statue. And this is the Medo-Persian Empire and Cyrus and, and Darius who conquered Babylon in, in chapter 5. So Daniel 7, 5, suddenly another beast appeared, a second one. And I really will, I'm doing my best to not put anyone to sleep today. And that's my goal every Sunday, but really this Sunday, okay. A second beast appeared, and this one looked like a bear. It was raised up on its side with barbecue in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, get up, gorge yourself on flesh. The third beast, which gets a ton of airtime in chapter 8 of Daniel, is a four-headed leopard. And this is, this is Greece, right? And represents the thighs of bronze on the statue. Verse 7, 6. After this, suddenly another beast appeared. It was like a leopard with four wings. Of a bird on its back, and it had four heads, and it was given dominion. Okay, so three wild beasts matching the three first three parts of the statue. Good. Okay, so before we do the fourth beast, um, which is the chief enemy of God's covenant people, I just want to point out the differences between uh, the statue vision and the beast vision. Okay. Daniel 2 is the statue vision, and that's the perspective of these kingdoms uh, from a wicked Gentile king. Okay? When he sees the kingdoms of the earth and the kingdoms of men, he thinks they are awesome and uh, you know, a giant statue deserving of precious metals. And if you remember chapter 2, he has the dream, and then chapter 3, he just builds a statue because he didn't get it. You missed the point, Nebuchadnezzar. So he sees the, the kingdoms as awesome. Daniel 7... Same vision, but from the perspective of a righteous Jew. And he sees these, and so God's perspective. He sees these kingdoms not as a great statue, but as dreadful, terrible beasts. Okay? That must be Daniel 2 smashed with a rock, or Daniel 7 cast into fire by a cloud riding son of man. Okay? Awesome kingdoms, eh, beasts, dreadful, terrible. Okay, so now the fourth beast, which is not named by Daniel. Not. Some of your Bible's uh, headings will tell will have a name there. That's not in your Bible. That's a heading. Okay? Maybe you don't. Okay. The fourth beast is not named by Daniel. So what is it about the fourth beast? Um, first, the fourth beast, uh, the fourth kingdom, will crush all the other ones. So Daniel 2, 40, the statue vision. The fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Daniel 7 vision, verse uh, 19, a fourth beast appeared, extremely terrifying, with iron teeth and bronze claws, devouring and crushing and trampling with its feet, whatever was left. Verse 23, the fourth beast will devour the whole earth, trample it down and crush it. So whatever the fourth beast is, whatever the fourth kingdom is, it's the baddest of the bad. Okay? Like if these ones were bad, this one is, is worse. It will totally dominate and crush the first three um, kingdoms, okay? But not only does this beast in this part of the statue crush the first three kingdoms, 
but it also crushes the, the covenant people. Okay, It crushes people like Daniel, righteous and devout Jews who are longing for God to make good on the covenant. Okay, To do what he said he would do to rescue, restore, regather Israel, raise the dead and make all things new. The fourth beast also is going to crush and, and, and annihilate them. So Daniel 7.21, he says, as I was watching this horn, so the little horn, the, the, the leader of this beast empire... Which you should also Google image the little horn. You get all kinds of awesome, funny um, things. This horn waged war against not just the beast, but against the holy ones. And it was prevailing. Other translations, conquering or overcoming them. Okay? This little horn is winning against the people of God. And so I just want you to make sure you have a place in your theology for this. That God would allow his holy ones to be handed over to a wicked and terrible beast. Okay? You can't declare your way out of this one. Okay? You can't look in the mirror and say your confessions and whatever and, and deal with this. No, the holy ones are going to be prevailed over by this fourth beast. Verse 25, he will oppress the holy ones. He will intend to change religious festivals um, and laws. We're going to look at this when we get to the third beast as well. And the holy ones will be handed over to him, given into his hand for time, time, half a time. We'll find out later. That's three and a half years. So you're Daniel. You're lying on your bed at night. You're 70 years old. right? You, you've been in exile. You're doing this. And then you have this vision. And he's got to be thinking, especially with his last vision of the fourth beast, he's got to be thinking like, again? Again, Nebuchadnezzar conquered us, burned our city to the ground. Our women and children were killed. We were marched into exile. And now you're giving me a vision that says it's going to happen again. Like this would be totally, you see why his face turned pale, right? He was, he was tr- uh, troubled. Israel has endured so much already. And the angel tells him and interprets to him and says, yeah, and more, more is on the way. Like this is not a dream and it is a a nightmare, okay? So the beast will crush the first three kingdoms. It will oppress and prevail over the holy ones, over the people of Israel. And the next, the, the beast, the king, um, is arrogant. Daniel 7, verse 8. Suddenly in this horn, there were eyes, like, again, Google, <laughs> sorry, eyes like the eyes of a human in a mouth that was speaking arrogantly. Verse 11, I watched then because of the sound of the arrogant words, the horn was speaking. The horn that had eyes, verse 20, and a mouth that spoke arrogantly and it looked bigger than the others, verse 25. And he will, this little horn, this fourth kingdom, will speak words against the Most High. So he's going to trample God's people and then he's going to uh, lip off to, to um, the Lord. So the fourth beast is a big bad deal. Okay? Like it's a very, very serious, very terrifying thing. He's brutal and violent. He hates the people of Israel. He boasts against the God of Israel. Right? Those, are the, those are the first three characteristics of the fourth um, kingdom, of the fourth beast. Okay, But, and if Pastor Derek was here, he would say a big old but. Okay? But the most important characteristic of the fourth beast, of this final kingdom, and the one that we're going to spend all of next week on, the most important characteristic is that this um, wicked, violent, Jew-hating, Jewish God-hating beast is destroyed forever at the judgment. Okay? So as big and bad as he is, his end is, is, is quick. 
And when he is judged, when he is uh, cast into the fire, the people who were previously um, uh, oppressed and previously given over into his hand and conquered by him, when he's cast into fire, Daniel 7 says, they inherit the kingdom. They receive what's been promised to them. So these matching sets of vision of Daniel 2 and Daniel 7, they end in the same way. The final earthly kingdom is judged, and through the judgment on their enemies, the people of God are saved, receive the kingdom, and Daniel 12, God's glory shines. So it's a scary vision, but it ends really well. It ends as good as it could possibly end, right? With the kingdom of God... Filling the whole earth, the dead, be- like you just, it's, you, you gotta have Daniel 7, man, right? So Daniel 2, it's smashed by a rock. Daniel 2, 34, a stone broke off without a hand touching it. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and fired clay and it crushed them. And then the whole statue, all these kingdoms of men are shattered and become uh, like chaff, right? Psalm 1, the righteous people will stand in the judgment. The wicked will be blown away like chaff. In the Daniel 7 vision of all the beasts, he's destroyed by a cloud-riding son of man, which you should also put into the... <laughs> Into the thing. Daniel 7, 11, I continued watching in my vision and the beast was killed and its body was destroyed and it was given over to burning fire. Verse 13. And suddenly one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He was given dominion and glory and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Like these four, right? Their kingdoms are destroyed. His will not. Verse 22, the ancient of days arrived. Judgment was given in favor of the holy ones for the time had come. And the holy ones took possession of the kingdom. Verse 26, but the court will convene and the little horn's dominion will be taken away to be completely destroyed forever. The kingdom, dominion, and greatness of the kingdoms under all of heaven will be given to the people, to the holy ones of the most high. So that's the main thing you need to know today. Because I'm about to say stuff after this that you might fall asleep over. So just pay attention for 30 seconds right here. Okay? This is the most important thing. In all the, the visions and dreams and the swirl of the whole bit, the main thing you need to know is that wicked beasts, wicked kingdoms, wicked empires will not have the final say on God's people or God's world. The statue is smashed, the beasts are thrown into the fire, and God's people win. That's Daniel, okay, that's Daniel 7. God will judge the beasts at the hands of the Son of Man, who, spoilers, Jesus, right? We'll, we'll find out later, that's, that's Jesus running around on clouds, going up and down, doing all the stuff. And those who put their trust in the cloud-riding Son of Man, even under pressure from the beasts, right? Even under persecution and hardship, who repent... And walk according to his ways will receive the coming kingdom of God and will inherit eternal life. So if questions about that, okay, how do I get on the side of the rock? How do I get on the side of the cloud rider and not on the side of the statues and the beast? Talk to a member of our church. They can tell you what it means to put your trust in Jesus, to repent of your sins and walk on the narrow path that leads to life. Okay, or you can talk to me or any of our other elders. You can fill out a thing online, whatever. We want to talk to you about that, though. Because we, again, it's all crazy visions and stuff. We think it's real. Okay, like our church is like, yeah, we yeah, we think this stuff's real. And it's really a picture of, of how history um, is going, okay? So don't, if, if you're not trusting in Jesus today, you can start today. You can turn from your sins today. The Lord will help you. We will help you. And you can inherit eternal life. Okay?
All right. So, to close here. Well, not to close, but my last section here will just take longer. Um, I'm going to do this as fast as I can. Uh, I'm going to lay some things out here that are, are my opinion um, and are not shared by all of our elders. Okay, So this is not the official position of Christian Life Church. Uh, me and my dad have argued about this stuff a lot. Um, uh, Reese would be with my dad on here. I don't, I don't know where uh, Keith and Daryl are on this stuff. But there's not agreement here among our elders. So if you're like, Josh, you're stupid... Our other elders think that, so it's fine too, okay? Um, we love each other. We just disagree on, on this. Okay, so who is the fourth beast? That's the, that's the question. Um, traditionally, the fourth kingdom, the legs of iron and, and, and the feet of iron and clay, is, is understood to be Rome. So you go as far back into church history as you can. The first kind of um, comments and works we have on Daniel, on Daniel 2 and on Daniel 7 um, they all say it's Rome. That's been the position for a long, 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 long time. And the reason that that's the traditional position is that if the kingdoms are listed chronologically, Rome seems to be next after um, Greece. And and are, are there any other gamers in here besides Brody and Ryan? Does anyone else play video games? You play video games? So Brody is weirdly good at history and uh, geography from games. <laughs> he played the games like, oh yeah, I dominated that empire when I was, you know, twelve. Okay, kind of, kind of deal. So if you know the history, it, it's Babylon, Medo Persia, um, Greece, and then who conquered Greece would be um, Rome. And though you can make Parthians and Sassanids were before, but anyway, generally it's Rome. And the reason it, 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 that Rome is brought up is because of the chronology and because who was in, who was in charge of Israel during the time of Jesus' birth. Rome, right? Okay. Um, they put Herod on the throne, all, all, all the stuff. And so um, the thought is that, uh, that Jesus' first coming, whether his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his so-called return in 70 AD to destroy Jerusalem, so-called that, that represents the rock, his first coming, striking the statue, or that represents him coming on the clouds in the first century. Um, and, and, and that's the beginning of the kingdom of God, whether, you know, that's the kingdom of God in our hearts or Christian conquest, whatever they say, yeah, the rock strikes the statue in the first century. The son of man comes on the clouds in the first century. And that was Rome at the time. Okay. So I used to hold that view. I no longer do. And the reason is I think there's another, uh, empire that better fits Daniel's criteria. So we have some maps, um, Coming up. So the first criteria for the fourth kingdom is that it crushes the first three, right? It, like teeth of iron, crush, devour, trample all of them. And so an easy way to do this is to look at maps. So let's look at a map of uh, Babylon, Babylonian Empire. There it is. So uh, Babylon is the black dot, and then its empire is the, the gray area there. All right, the next empire is uh, Medo Persia. So Medo-Persia is bigger, right? They, they covered more, but there's still the black dot of Babylon. The next empire is Greece, which we'll look at in chapter 8 of Daniel. Bigger. Okay, so the next empire in the traditional interpretation is Rome. So can we see Rome? Doesn't even touch Babylon. Who had the dream in Daniel 2? Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Did Rome crush Babylon? Geographically. No. Okay. Well, what about another empire that came later? Oh, that's the Islamic Caliphate. 
and it pretty well crushed the first three and and then some, okay? Again, these are my opinions. The main thing I want you to know is that God's people win. This is just for fun, okay? All right. So if we're talking crushing-wise geography, Rome doesn't work. Islam works. Okay, next, the fourth beast crushes, we could say crushes culturally. If Rome didn't conquer them geographically, what about culturally? Okay, well, not really. Unless you were rebellious, okay, which people were and, and um, found out. Maximus Decimus Meridius, you found out. Um, Rome was generally tolerant, okay? If Rome conquered you and you didn't fight back too much, they didn't destroy your culture. They didn't change your language. They generally didn't persecute you for your religion, okay? Um, if Rome conquered you, you got better roads, better plumbing, better health care. Like, and, and, and you weren't at war anymore, right? Because the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. So if Rome conquered you and you could deal with it, um, things got better. When Rome conquered Greece, did Rome remove all of Greece's gods? Which you also... Where, Lindley's been reading the Percy Jackson, right? Uh, no, they didn't. They, they changed their names, but you can keep worshiping um, them. When Rome's in power over Jerusalem, are the Jews not allowed to go to the temple and do their sacrifices three times a day and gather and hear the scripture? No, like, as long as they're not fighting or starting a rebellion with some rabble-rousing about this new Messiah, as long as you're not doing that, Rome's generally tolerant and, um, and peaceful, okay? You know what empire crushes everything culturally? Religion, language, everything? Islam. Like, it's, it's in the name, so submission, okay? Islam is a... And not and just not every Muslim... You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that. Maybe if a Muslim neighbor or whatever, I'm sure they're not bloodthirsty murderers. That's not... You know what I mean? But in their writing, in their religion, this is... Um, this is clear. They, Islam is a scorched earth empire that Daniel 7.19 is extremely terrifying with iron feet, bronze claws, devouring, crushing, trampling of whatever was left. Okay, And so further, as far as crushing culturally and religiously and all this stuff, and not to be a prisoner of the moment, right? Like I don't want to do theology and Bible study based on the newspaper. I, I, I want the Bible to, to lead us, but... Today, we're 120 days um, removed-ish from a a flat-out jihad in Israel, okay? Like 120 days ago, this happened. They went into Israel. They they murdered over 1,200 people. They tortured more. They beheaded them on video, like, in the name of their God, in in the name of, of, of their... Religion, and then you think, well, that's you know, that's just a minority thing. And then the largest cities on planet Earth, okay, London, New York City, Dallas, L.A., had massive uh, gatherings to call for the genocide of the Jewish people in 2020. Like this is not 1930, 40 Nazi Germany. This is 2023. And people are gathering in the streets, saying from the river to the end of to, from the river to the sea, which means the total annihilation and submission of the Jewish people. So it's not it's not beyond the pale to say that hey, maybe this empire here is is this one because like you you've seen the videos, you've seen the pictures. It's not. It's not something um, small. And the reason they're doing this, they're following the instruction of their writing. So this is from the, the Hadith. 
Muhammad said, I think I have the, the quote up here. Um, Muhammad said that the last hour, and and I've, I've got resources for this on our website if you want to look more, but the eschatology of Islam um, is really close to the eschatology of um, some Christians. It says, the last hour would not come unless the Muslims will fight against the Jews and the Muslims would kill them uh, until the Jews would hide themselves behind a stone or a tree. And a stone or a tree would say, Muslim or servant of Allah, there is a Jew behind me. Come and kill him. It's from the Hadith. Um, next quotes from a, a 2002 sermon from uh, the Imam of the Palestinian Authority. You can watch this on video. It, it's, it's pretty chilling. He says, we, the Palestinian nation, our fate from Allah is to be the vanguard in the war against the Jews until the resurrection of the dead. As the prophet Muhammad said, the resurrection of the dead, again, very, very Christian, right? Because Muhammad started with an Old Testament, okay? Until the resurrection of the dead, as the prophet Muhammad said, um, the resurrection will not arrive until you fight the Jews, the descendants of monkeys and pigs, and kill them. O Allah, accept our martyrs in the highest heavens. O Allah, show the Jews a black day. O Allah, annihilate the Jews and their supporters. O Allah, raise the flag of jihad across the land. So I'm saying culturally, very, very possible, right? Like this is what they've done. And if you follow the, you can go read your own history book of, of how they came through and conquered and brought into submission and crushed, um, See why it makes sense, okay? But it's not those things, history, geography, or religion of, of Rome or the caliphate that actually convinced me to, to change um, my position. I actually just think the Bible tells us <laughs> over and over and over and over and over and over and over who the, the enemies of Israel that the Messiah will crush um, on his day is. So Genesis 3 is the, you know, the, the mother prophecy, the, 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 the seed of the woman will crush the head of the seed of the serpent. And that theme runs through um, to the end. So I'm, I'm just going to read two. I've got a ton more. I'm just going to read two for time this morning um, that tell us who the Messiah crushes when he comes. Okay, so Numbers 24. Um, this is a, a pagan prophet prophesying over Israel. He's trying to curse them, but he can't the lord won't let him the lord only lets blessing come out he says i will let you know what this people israel will do to your people gentile antagonists in the latter days which is a phrase we'll look at next week um, a scepter shall rise out of israel a king and it shall crush who the forehead of moab break down all the sons of sheth Edom shall be dispossessed, Seir also, his enemies shall be dispossessed, and one from Jacob, okay, Israel, shall exercise dominion and destroy the survivors of the cities. Then he looked on Amalek, right, and that name just gets picked up through the scripture as just a generic enemy of, of Israel, and took up his discourse and said, Amalek was the first among the nations, but its end is utter destruction, smashed with the rock and blown away. Like chaff. So when the scepter rises out of Israel to crush, who's it crushing? Like France? You know what I mean? No, Moab, Sheth, Edom, Seir, and Amalek. Nations that historically surround Israel. Okay? And also nations that reside in Nebuchadnezzar's empire, which... It was his dream. This is what he um, saw. Isaiah um, Isaiah 25. 
Um, and Robert, will you come help me before I get any more weird today? <laughs> Isaiah 25. Um, clearly a passage referencing the day of the Lord. Okay, In Isaiah 25, what nations are destroyed, crushed, trampled, cast into fire? He says, on this mountain, the Lord, Mount Zion in, in Jerusalem... The Lord of armies will prepare for all peoples a choice, a feast of choice meat, a feast with aged wine. On this mountain, he will swallow up the burial shroud. And when he has swallowed up death once and for all. So what is this? This, The resurrection of the dead. What what we've longed for and hoped for. What creation is groaning for. And we ourselves too have the first fruits of the spirit groan for and long for. The death would be swallowed up forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face. And he will remove his people's disgrace. Daniel's people, right? And all who have joined themselves to Daniel's God. He'll remove his people's disgrace from the whole earth for the Lord has spoken. Verse 9. On that day it will be said, look, this is our God. We've waited for him and he has saved us. For the Lord's power will rest on this mountain. But Nikolai Carpathia and the one world government will be trampled. No, Moab, right? Right there. Moab will be trampled in his place as straw is trampled in a dung pile. His pride will be brought low along with the trickery of his hands. The high-walled fortress, the little horn worships the god of fortresses. The high-walled fortress will be brought down, thrown to the ground, to the dust. Okay? The entire book of Obadiah, Obadiah is like three pages, Says this whole thing. Zephaniah says this. Joel says this. Isaiah 34 says this. Isaiah 63 um, says this. That when the Messiah comes to crush and save and rescue, right? And the kingdom is handed over to the people. When this happens, it's the nations that surround Israel. The nations that have historically occupied the lands of Babylon, Medo-Persia and Greece. This is who gets crushed. This is who Israel is saved from. And so... Again, this is my uh, opinion. I've got lots of resources um, on our website. If you click on this sermon, there's more you can look at. But the, the point is, if we never talk about this again, that's fine. The point is that whether it's it's Rome or, or Islam or, or Oprah Winfrey or LeBron James, like whoever, whoever it is, we know the main thing is that the rock will strike. Okay? The Son of Man will, will ride the clouds. The statue will be destroyed, the beast will be cast into the fire, and the people will receive the kingdom, glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, like that's, that's the deal. Um, so let's, let's pray. Um, God, we ask you, um, Philippians 1, that we would have, uh, we would grow in, in, um, uh, we would abound in love towards one another, and we would grow in knowledge and discernment. Um, so, if I'm in, you know, totally in left field here, bring bring um, correction. We, we want to know truth and love truth and, and be truthful. Um, and God, I ask that you would uh, uh, give us confidence um, in you, confidence that the statue will be destroyed. Uh, it will blow away like chaff, but the righteous will stand. And we thank you, God, that the the beast's um, destruction is certain. He will be cast into the fire. And the people, the saints of the Most High, will receive um, the promised inheritance. They will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Make it real for us, not just words. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen.
So we're going to come to the Lord's table today, uh, which points us to the cross. The only means by which we can inherit the kingdom. Okay? No inheriting the kingdom without putting our trust in the cross, repenting of our sins. Um, so I'm going to invite the uh, servers to come and uh, we'll pass that out and then I'll, I'll give instruction.